0: Hey, you awesome folks. Thanks for taking this journey of discovery with your guide, Keith Haney. You're listening to the Becoming Bridge Builders podcast, your favorite podcast for everything from racial reconciliation to education innovation, justice reform, and leading change in the 21st century. This podcast is for people who love to be challenged with difficult topics, but want practical solutions to solve these challenging issues. Becoming Bridge Builders makes change possible. Each week on the podcast, Keith invites innovative thought leaders to share how they are building bridges in their area of expertise. You will hear breakthrough ideas and concepts that are changing the world. He's featuring guests who are best-selling authors, leaders at Microsoft, entrepreneurs, leading educators, professors, lawyers, and so many more. Listen in to learn how you can be the bridge to the change you are seeking.
1: My guest today is Josh Goliski. Josh is the founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities. With lifelong connections to Haiti and extensive travel experience the developing rural, Josh, over a decade of experience in the social sector, he's done everything from analyzing global impact metrics to writing business plans to scale scale other organizations. He developed Unlocking Communities while pursuing his undergrad and master's degree in social justice. What started as an idea has turned into a successful startup and has since helped thousands of Haitians. Josh's ability to um, network and connect with other people has led to him bringing together a diverse team committed to helping unlocking communities reach ambitious goals. We welcome Josh to the Pope podcast. Josh, on the show today, how are you doing today, Josh?
2: I'm doing great. Really enjoying it here at the Clinton Global Initiative Conference.
1: Good to have you on. Good to talk to you. So I'm going to give you a question kind of warm you up a little bit. What's the best advice you've ever received?
2: The best advice I've ever received is never be afraid to talk to someone.
1: Oh, I liked it. Who told you that?
2: I honestly don't remember, but um, my dad told me a version of it, which was you, going into the airport. If you ever ask for an upgrade one day, eventually you'll get one because every <laughs> no is one more closer to a yes. And, it, and it has worked for me. I have gotten an upgrade and it was on the longest flight I ever took. So it all paid off.
1: in the end. that's cool. I like that. I'm, I'm about to try that down the road.
2: Yeah, now with computer systems and stuff, I think they're less prevalent, but you never you never know. You have to make it be known that you want one before That's right. something can
1: be given You never know, you. know until you ask.
2: Nope. Not at all.
1: So tell us something about yourself that most people don't know about you.
2: So most people don't know about me is that the organization unlocking communities is incorporated on the day that my dad passed away, which is four years ago this coming Friday from the day we're recording this.
1: Wow, that's that's powerful. It happened to me with my book too. When my, my first book came out, the release date was my dad's, was the day my dad was born. So it's kind of interesting how that all works in life so often.
2: It wasn't planned at all. Like the paperwork just happened to get filed and processed that day. And it was just like a little sign, just like a little sign. And I appreciate those signs.
1: Yeah, that's so neat. So tell us your story. I, I read you a little bit about your bio. Tell us about your journey to where you are, to how you just developed Unlocking Communities.
2: Yeah. So... The story all starts back when in the late 90s, a Haitian priest stayed with my family. And it's a risk my mom took to, you know, amidst having three kids to host a Haitian priest for a week. And really through hosting that priest, our family got to see and to understand just ha- having a guest of a different descent. I remember my mom wasn't sure what should she cook him for dinner and like what, like some really kind of basic things. But, you know, it's in the late 90s, like before the dawn of mass energy you know kind of information age and so we we got to we got to explore and have those conversations and over time we do, we've developed a lifelong friendship with that priest my church growing up formed a relationship with the church in Haiti which then led me to see both how impactful cross cultural relationships can be but it also led me to see that sometimes good intentions aren't enough and that good intentions cannot always be the most effective means. And so through the process, we um, I saw the church do some great projects and I saw the church not do some projects that unfortunately didn't succeed. But Unlocking Communities is directly informed by the projects that didn't succeed that our church did and directly stems from those lessons learned. and. When I was in college, we took a trip down to Haiti and looking at and in dialogue with the communities in the town where our church had worked, we asked them, like, what did they want? Like, what were the most impactful things that they had not been connected to? And they said business loans or business opportunities. Well, when we were in conversations with the youth in that parish, we asked them, they wanted to open up a cyber cafe. And we asked them for the for a business plan, and they wrote a business plan, but w- then, when they got to the section about how will they finance this business, they simply wrote, "Americans will pay for it and I saw the <laughs> danger that can happen when you just think about that statement Americans will pay for it that our church in in their most generous way to help, had accidentally created a dependency theory, and no- no one wants. To be dependent on another person. I fundamentally believe that we all want dignity, the dignity and the self worth of every person is central to our lives. And so through that process and through talking, we, we realized that there was a huge opportunity to start a business in the community, to start selling water filtration systems and provide business training. So people understood how to write business plans and understood the different types of financing that are available and not simply Americans will pay for this.
1: <laughs> That's good. And so,
2: and so, you know, fast forward, I left. I kind of started this pilot while I was in college, was trying to convince my friend to start an organization with me to do this broader because I knew there was something there after college, but he wasn't crazy enough. And in reality, it was probably a good thing. I left and spent a few years at the National YMCA and then um, continued working on this side. I remember taking calls, calling the team in Haiti on the way home from the office and just really living in a different world than they were and really just furthering the idea and iterating on it. And then, And then after I left the Y, I went and did my master's in social justice, which, as I joke, it was really just a disguise to be able to write the business plan for Unlocking Communities. And in 2018, Unlocking Communities formed. And we are a social enterprise that empowers communities with access to eco-friendly products and entrepreneurial opportunities.
1: I love that story. You know, I've heard so much about the, the problems in Haiti, and I wonder how, as you tried to start a business there, what were some of the hurdles you had to overcome with all the things we heard about Haiti and some of the corruption there?
2: Yeah, so we are a nonprofit and then a social enterprise. So we do have a business component, which allows our work to go so much further. And there are so many problems. I have this slide when I do a pitch deck and it lists uh, like a mountain of problems, but you know, and in Haiti, they have a saying that beyond every mountain is another mountain, beyond every problem is another problem. But really, what it is, and, I, and what I drill down to is, everyone wants dignity that we were talking discussing earlier, and everyone wants ability to own things. And so, let's come up with business ideas. So, everyone there, if you ask them, do they want food for today, or would they want a business loan? The overwhelming answer would be, we want a loan so that we can feed ourselves. They want that piece of dignity that comes with it. And that is fundamental to what Unlocking Communities did. Our tagline is putting economic power in the hands of those who need it most. And the only way to get economic power is to create business opportunities. And so we exemplify that through modeling it with with selling water filtration systems and clean burning stoves as our core enterprise that all of our unlocking communities, essentially students that we train in entrepreneurship go through. They have the opportunity to sell these filters and stoves.
1: That is so powerful because I know filtration is probably a huge issue, not just in Haiti, but in places in Africa too. So tell us about how you developed the filtration system and the coal burning system.
2: Yeah, so the two products that we sell, the water filtration systems and the clean burning stoves are both products that exist out there. They're public technologies or deviations from them. I didn't invent any new products, and that's really important because I believe that there are already answers to solving the most pressing challenges in the world out there. It's just access. And, and if you look at the end-to-end chain, there's some link that's missing. So we are just playing one step and helping close that link and close that gap. But we estimate that a family spends over $150 a year on buying bottled water or buying charcoal to boil their water or on getting sick from drinking contaminated water. And one of our water filtration systems with carbon credits costs less than $10. And one of of our clean burning stoves as well with carbon credit reductions, which we can talk about later, also costs less than $10. This is a new program we'll be rolling out next year with carbon credits as well. But clean burning stoves families spend at least $150 a year a month on charcoal, which is a huge amount of money and a big source of money that can be saved is through cutting the costs of, of charcoal usage and also deforestation. So helping improve energy is not only putting more, more money back in their pockets, but also reduce, uh, helping make sure that more trees are still alive in Haiti and not cut down for charcoal.
1: That's great. So can you describe for us, for our listeners, tell us your community sales model.
2: Yes. So our really powerful community sales model, it starts with what's called community organizing. So we are referred into a community by, say, a pastor or a member of the, another community who knows someone in, an, in another community. And they say, hey, you should go to Laguna to sell these products. And then we talk to the pastors in Lagunov, we talk to the health care workers, we talk to different leaders, and we ask them to nominate 15 people total to take our entrepreneurship training program. Then, the 15 people, once we interview them and are selected, they come to our entrepreneurship training program, which over three days, we really hit on the essentials of business, marketing, sales. How do you explain cost benefit analysis to people, really? Like, how, how do you understand that you're spending $150 a year on bottled water? Most families don't think about it because they look in their pocket and they're like, do I have 15? do I have 10 cents to buy a bottle of water or do I not? And if they do, they'll buy it. And if not, they'll just go thirsty or drink contaminated water at that moment. And so you don't think about how much that 10 cents or 50 cents, depending on the size, like adds up to over time. And so our community sales model looks at that. It also looks at how do these how do these entrepreneurs also become community health promoters and really be evangelists of, the of community health and of wash, so water sanitation hygiene, and hygiene education in the communities because clean water is just one part of one part of the of the solution. It's also important to make sure you they wash your hands and and have proper hygiene as well. And so then they go out in the communities. And so that group then self-selects a manager. So they together look and see who does that group trust the most at the end of the training to be the manager. And then they go out and they get a first and initial kind of grant of 150 filters to sell. And then they go on their community and sell those filters either on microloans or on cash sales and then they collect the money back, and then we give them more products to sell. And they earn commission with each sale. But more importantly, lives are truly saved in their community with each sale.
1: Wow, that's really a neat product. So give me your your most proud success moment. and Tell me the story that, when you think about it, the one that kind of tugged at your heart the most.
2: There are so many stories. But one, especially in countries in contexts like Haiti, water... And bottled water isn't even an assumption that it can make it to you. So there was a lot of protests and one town was basically cut off from the capital city where all the bottled water is manufactured. And families know, especially for newborn babies, it's important that they're drinking pure water because they don't have an immune system. Well, this town had been cut off because of the protests from accessing bottled water. And this family had a newborn baby and they had no access to any bottled water for this baby and they hadn't become one of our customers yet. And so they went to their next-door neighbor, and they said, please, for the health and life of my baby, can I have some water from your filter? And because of that filter, that baby's baby did not die of contaminated water, and that family became one of our newest and most proud customers.
1: Wow, that's powerful. That really is. So I see you had a problem. Your problem was there wasn't access to clean water, and you provide a solution. So as you talk about developing entrepreneurs— how do you help them look at a problem and develop a solution and turn it into a business model?
2: Yeah, great question. We spend a lot of time in our training also on looking at what, is, what are the needs in the community. For some entrepreneurs, you know, I asked one once, what businesses are missing or what services do they see being provided? They replied to me and said, I don't know because I have my community. So we have local people who understand the context also ask probing questions who maybe have traveled a little bit further or but still understand the local context. And that's the most important piece. So they go through and understand those services and what's missing and what are the value adds that they can provide in their communities. And we start with the example of water filtration systems and clean burning stoves. Because there is no one selling these products in the communities. If you can imagine, we essentially have a monopoly, a healthy monopoly, though, on water filtration system sales in these communities and clean burning stove sales. There's no there's no competition for us in the filter space other than buying bottled water.
1: So what what's your next project? This sounds really interesting. You're working on some other products to add to this? So, like, are
2: the team that the entrepreneurs come back and they're like, "Can you help us with others?" So, to kind of piggyback and tie these two questions together, one of the things we do is we look at our most successful entrepreneurs, and they all normally are farmers or are store workers or healthcare workers, and a lot of them have dreams to uh, to like grow those businesses, and so we ask them to help them and journey with them to write a full business plan and understand like, do they need $3,000 to plant more mango trees or do they need $3,000 to buy fish? And so understanding that dynamic, we then journey with them to write a full business plan and help them get access to that $3,000 at a low interest rate. So I really want to expand that program. Additionally, We are also going to expand our product portfolio in the future, probably into solar powered lighting systems that was requested by the by our entrepreneurs in Haiti. They asked for solar powered lights to sell. Um, But maybe the one I'm most excited about is replicating the success we've seen in Haiti into other countries. And so we can't say which countries yet, but we are in conversations with multiple markets and are really excited to announce where is going to be our next country.
1: So when people hearing this and are maybe inspired by your story, what lesson do you want them to hear from your, your story, your testimony?
2: So two lessons, and one lesson is find a cause that you're passionate about. But just make sure you do your due diligence and read about the model and understand the approach, right? There are so many charities and so many causes out there. But just understand, like, the power of supporting a cause like Unlocking Communities because of its holistic model nature. and nature. And that will help your your donations go so much further. The second thing is to really follow your dreams and follow your passions. And don't be afraid to make that jump. We all have to leave the shore, as the song from Moana talks about. Um, We have to be willing to step out on the water and let go of the shore. And that I was so scared to do when starting Unlocking Communities, because I am not a risk taker. But (laughs) I I have not looked back since the day I did it.
1: I love that because taking risks does take courage. So for the young entrepreneur out there who's listening to this going, I have an idea. I like what you said. What's the one thing you would say to do first for that entrepreneur who's listening to this podcast?
2: Really stress test your idea. I spent those years while I was at the Y stress testing my idea and looking for someone else who was doing the same thing, right? And And then the second thing is, to, to go back to the name of your podcast, become a bridge builder, figure out what bridge is missing in that space and become a bridge builder to to cross that bridge. I mean, understand the bridge that you are creating
1: too. I love that. So Josh, I love this question. I ask all my guests, what do you want your legacy to be?
2: I want my legacy to be that I brought the world a little closer.
1: That's great. That's great. Anything I haven't asked you that you want to highlight before we end the podcast? I don't think
2: so. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story. It's just truly an honor.
1: Well, before we go, tell people where they can find your website, where they can find out more about your ministry and your min- and work you're doing and connect with you on social media.
2: Definitely. Our website is org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and and LinkedIn at at Unlocking Communities, um, and please check out our work. Reach out; our contact information is on our website. Also, our emails. We don't spam people. We just send one monthly update with kind of like what's happening on the ground, with kind of the real and the honest truth. And the last thing I'll leave your li- listeners with is: some people have said, "Why are you working in Haiti? Like, shouldn't we just give up on that country? It's just a big failure." And we can't give up on anyone, no matter where. And The opportunities and the successes we've had have showed that there is hope in Haiti and that there is a chance for the country to be better. But it has to start with the people there and and it has to be in the power of the the hands of the Haitians. And so that's that's why our tagline is putting economic power in the hands of those who need it the most.
1: And and I just want to end. I, I love your mission statement, which is we equip entrepreneurs with education and tools to sell sustainable products. And unlock economic, social, and environmental transformation in our communities. I mean, that's really what it's really all about. It's us exactly. have, sharing what we have, pouring into the lives of those who don't have it so that they can find their way. Like you said, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, You know, but teach a man to fish a fish for a lifetime. I love the yes. idea of how do we raise up that next generation of fishers. So Josh, if I can add one yeah, more yeah, go thing.
2: Ahead to it is you have to you have to ask them what they want to fish and that's (laughs) exactly that's exactly what we're doing
1: that's so great thank you for what you do i mean your ministry just sounds really interesting and i love how it got started you going over there saying where is the need and how can i help meet that need
2: thank you so much and i'm excited to hear from all your listeners and any questions please reach out to us
1: thank you so much josh
2: thank you
0: Thanks for listening to Becoming Bridge Builder. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at BKeithHaney and on Getter and Twitter at RevHeadpin or on his website at alightbreaksthrough.org. Thanks again and tune in next time.